Okay. Hey, everybody. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd, and we are just going to do a little recap, and I'm going to share advice from the Manhattan Beach Open. Now, what I'm going to give you is advice specifically for two players who, in a really cool way, ended up taking a third at the Manhattan Beach Open. And I thought, it, without giving away too much of their games, I got the honor of coaching uh, Hagen Smith and Logan Weber at the Manhattan Beach Open. And we went through a couple of practices together to say that I was coaching them or am their coach, was their coach, would not be a true statement. They asked me if I could assist for a couple of weeks, uh, which equated to three, maybe four practices before the Manhattan Beach Open. And then I was just in their box. So not a full-time coach for them. This was a big discovery thing. And all I could do for them was provide ideas and use my eyes and use my brain and knowledge. And so today, basically what I want to share with you guys is one piece of advice or a few pieces of advice that I gave to them going into the Manhattan Beach Tournament. And it doesn't give you insight into all of their games. But what it can do is if you are similar to Logan or Hagen or you're experiencing these, you can listen to this episode before you go into your tournament because I think it's universal advice that will really help everybody in their games. So that's what today's episode is about. We're going to run through it really quickly because sometimes you can hear advice given to somebody else and it applies to you in a big way. And that's what we're doing. So if you ever look at our reels, if you're ever, if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, a lot of the way we teach, it is specifically for one athlete right? Like we have 60 to 90 seconds to do a reel or a short on Instagram. And then all of the comments come through and they say, well, not exactly. Well, what about this? Well, all these, those sound bites that we give out, you know, for free, those are meant for one person in one situation. And if you take those 55 seconds as gospel, (laughs) you're in for a rude awakening because it might not apply to you. And if you try to apply everything that we say or that we put out, it might hurt you because it's not individual coaching. And that's why we have our membership and that's why we do our camps so that we can work with people one-on-one and give them the advice that they need. So I'm going to read from some of the texts that I had with Hagen and Logan before they got their first Sunday at an AVP, AVP Gold in Manhattan Beach. And we'll just sort of dive into it, okay? I want you guys to save this episode because I think it's going to apply. If you know somebody that it applies to, make sure you share it with them. If it is your teammate, if it is some people that you are coaching, maybe they might want to hear some of it. All right, so I'll read from some of my texts and here we go. Uh, This one is to Hagen and Logan. I said, hey guys, a few thoughts from yesterday. Let's talk about emotional first. Compliment each other and work harder to fire someone up than you do to figure out what wasn't perfect. Hagen has a wealth of volleyball knowledge and Logan has, because he's of his height, has been 
a lot of people try to coach him, try to give him their advice because when you see six nine, you see, you know, the next great player or somebody that could be. So both of them get a ton of advice and they both have accumulated a lot of knowledge. But as players, if you're too tough on yourself in the moment and you're trying to figure out technically what's going on instead of just choosing what you need to win, choosing energy, uh, choosing how to maybe fire somebody up or keep somebody from going down, then your energy is going to be better, right? So let's, you know, something that comes to mind is like Braveheart. When William Wallace was at the, the forefront of the lines and everybody was thinking about going home, he wasn't talking about technical aspects, he was able to get all of his people going and fired up because of energy, because of a speech, because of a story he told. It wasn't necessarily, hey, this is the time where we need to learn how to fight. This is the time where we absolutely give everything. So because Hagen and Logan both know so much, a lot of times during practice, they got caught figuring out how much the other person needed to do something or how much they needed to do something. Technically, are you in the right place? Are you fixing this arm swing? Does this look bad? A lot of players will try to coach their teammates and you get lost in trying to solve a technical problem for your teammates instead of moving on and figuring out what the next best thing or what the future best thing we can do is and then building confidence, building energy. Okay. So when it's tournament time, unless your goal for that tournament is to fix technical things, we shouldn't be commenting on technical things. Me and Brandon have talked about this in the past. We gave each other a rule for you're only allowed to correct me on something technical three times this match. So that means that you're going to save some of your words and instead choose to build some energy and build some confidence in your partner. Now, uh, the next line in the text that I sent to them was I said, you both play great when you're high positive energy and you're confident. And that's true for a lot of us. Okay. So you have to work to bring each other there. You both like to analyze yourselves and your team, but occasionally it leads to a downward energy spiral. And I promise them the next line is your skills will carry you to the end of this tournament. Both of these players, this team had the skills, have the skills. They can pass, they can set, they can put balls away. They can each get their aces. Logan can block, right? Hagen can dig. So their skills were there and their quality enough to get it done. So we didn't need to really nitpick about that energy. I needed them to focus on staying together, staying in it with each other and trying to build a team atmosphere, even though their team, you know, was only put together four weeks ago. So how can you fire each other up? How can you bring the energy that your partner needs or that your team needs? One of the ways is it's not fun guys. It's not fun to work on technique, right? Like to actually go there and say, did my elbow get far back enough? You're not like enjoying 
that process. I mean, some people enjoy it over time, but you're not getting thrills out of it. And that's not why we compete. And that's really not where we should be in a tournament. You should have your skills built up already. And it's no longer time to go do that. Now we just figure out what skills to implement where or what techniques to implement where instead of building or critiquing technique. So I want you to remember that the next time you go into a competitive situation, that unless your only goal is to fix a certain technique and you're in that stage of the season, it's time to let go of that. Ride on what you already have built and allow that to carry and then focus on your energy and your team spirit. Okay. And that was it. So my next line in that text, I said, I can carry me. I said, I can carry most of the thinking load. So you guys can let that out of your head and you can keep good, fun, positive energy. This is something that wasn't always possible at the AVP and still right now isn't available at the FIVB level. It is available in juniors. It is available in indoor. Um, and it's partly available in college, but you weren't always able to just let somebody else pick the strategy and remind you where to be. The old AVP player before coaches were allowed in the box, you had to be everything. You had to choose a strategy, choose whether you want to keep going on that strategy, whether you need to change, is your positioning correct, all of that. So I promised them, I said, I will do that thinking. Of course, I'm going to rely on their input and their experience as well. But I said, let me do that load and you guys make sure that you just get to play and let your skills do the work. Yeah. And we can all do that. Now, the next thing that I said in this text message before this big tournament was I told Logan, okay, for blocking, try to read more and wait longer and you'll start finding cues from hitters. This is for all the blockers out there, which for blockers, this is rare that you're big enough to have a huge effect as a blocker. But I want you to embrace this. The longer you wait on the ground when somebody is jumping and hitting against you, the more you have the ability to read and do something about it. Of course, at this point, we're talking about hundredths of seconds, hundredths, right? So a very small time. But blockers, if you jump exactly when the hitter jumps or before you're stuck there your body is stuck in whatever propulsion angle you took off in and now it's only up to your hands to make up down left right adjustments okay if you wait and you see the person jump they pop you pop the hitter pops then the blocker pops you have that extra split second to take maybe one more step, one shuffle, lean a different way and get a further sideways jump or put your hands higher or shoot them over the net a little bit earlier. There's a lot of adjustments you can make if you really truly wait and you try to read as a blocker. Most blockers in my experience don't read very well. They just jump and put their hands up and they think that their job is to take up space. Sometimes it is. Sometimes 
it's time to see if this person is trying to shoot, if this person is trying to hit inside, if they're trying to hit left, in which case, then it's your opportunity to stay on the ground and either lean a different way when you jump or take a single or a double step in one direction so that you can gather more information and get a better swing later. Or sorry, get a better hand position for your block later. Okay, so wait, see the person jump, then you jump. Okay, uh, I said to Logan, even, back to the text message, even on a ball or a spread block, you can put two hands in one place if you see it and you're a big threat. You do it when you swat block, but you're not trusting your read ability when someone's going hard line or hard cross. Wait longer, see them jump, read, and put both hands there. So in other words, Logan was very good at knowing if somebody is about to shoot and then his hands would go really high and he would try to reach up and swat that. And that's very good if you're tall and it's very good to recognize that. But if he read that somebody was jumping as if they could hit hard, he would jump a little bit sooner and his feet wouldn't quite get him there. Throughout the tournament, Logan started waiting longer and longer, and there were little pieces where he got better and better touches because all of a sudden you see them in the air. Then you see the shoulders turn and they start to wind up because they see the space. Then you can put two hands there. Instead of the big dumb block where you just go and you spread your hands wide because you're not quite sure where they go, we want to try to accumulate as much information as we can so that we can try to put both hands in the right position. If you don't know, if you're like clueless, then yeah, okay, get your chest in the middle of that person's hitting shoulder in the middle of the ball and spread your hands on both sides so that you take up a lot of space on the line and the cross. If they hoot through your head, it usually just means you're in a great position. So I wouldn't change too much there, but now let's add on a little bit of reading ability. Okay. Uh, the next thing was offensive dictation and this is important for everybody so just please take this offensive advice and throw it into your next tournament okay throw it into your next practice offensively you've been right in the past to dictate when you wait or you don't have your b shot in mind you get stuck go back to your a swing and then your B swing when the A is closed. We talked about this with our members in our meeting today. Uh, if you want to get involved in those meetings, go to betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching or come to one of our camps and we'll discuss it in depth. But what do I mean by dictate on offense? On the beach, I came into the game and stayed for a very long time as a shooter. On the East Coast, in New York, in the open level, all the way until the finals, and sometimes even in the finals, you could jump, and if you had quality vision and ball control, you could hold long enough until you saw the defender move one way, and then you could hit to the open spot. Easy money. So long as you've got ball control and vision, jump, wait and see where they are, then hit to the spot they aren't. A lot of players stick to that. And a lot of players are successful in their local neighborhoods doing this. This works until about 17th, maybe 13th at the AVP level, which means until that last round of qualifiers. 
So if you want to get into the main draw and then you want to win anything in the main draw, the best defenders will stop giving you the answers. And if you wait so long for them to give you an answer, then your shot is going to be lower and slower. If you're going to shoot, come in to shoot. And that is completely anti what most coaches will say, but just hear it out. I want you to jump hard, reach high, sell whatever swing you want to sell, and then plan to shoot. If you want to hit, come in hard and plan to hit. The problem is when you jump and you don't know what to do yet and you're not sure what you want to do. So then you end up trying to problem solve really late in your jump and you try to um, figure out what's happening later. And basically you're on your way down, which means if you're on your way down, the defender has had a chance to settle a little bit deeper into their squat to their athletic position. And so now you've given them a better chance to get a beat on the ball. Also at the pro level, these guys are fast. So I could hit a ball when 2000, whatever, 2015 in New York, right? I could hit a ball on my way down. So long as it was to the right spot, I could basically sleep and it would go there because the defenders weren't fast enough, weren't disciplined enough, and sometimes just wouldn't go for the ball. At the AVP level, everybody's an elite athlete. So everybody's fast. So if you hit a shot on your way down and it's not flawless, you're going to get scooped. And now you're giving the defender a chance to settle. Okay. Big mistake. If you're shooting, you have to do it at the top of your swing. And that means that you have to start your swing before the top, which means that you need to have that decision in your head by the time you jump. Okay. That should be your A swing, whether it's a hit or whether it's a shot, you're going for it. That means that you hit it fast and you accelerate the ball. You don't jump, wait to see that it's open and then hit. But what do I mean about a, uh, an A swing? Because sometimes people after this, when they have this A swing in their mind, they get stuck there and then it closes. So I want to hit high line. The defender goes into the high line or the blocker peels and I don't have my second shot. I don't have my default second shot in mind. So my B swat or my B shot needs to be a swing that is the counter to how a defender would close that. So if my high line is what I want to go for, I'm going to go for that high line until I have an indicator, which means that the defender ran into the cross. Then I have one solution. It's not, oh, it's closed. What do I do now? I have a singular solution. And that is, okay, overcross. Because if the defender's running down the line, it means that the overcross area should be available. And that's my B shot. And the problem is when people go and they don't know what they're going to do. So they let everything drop and they slow it down. Defenders catch up to them at the AVP level. Defenders are too fast and blockers are too high for you to jump. Wait to see what's going on, figure out what shot you want to hit and then hit it. All of this does happen in milliseconds. Okay. But there's a distinct difference in contacting the ball before the top of your your jump at the top of your jump or slightly on your way down. You'll feel that up, pause, shoot instead of up and shoot. If you're shooting, it should be up and shoot except for rare instances when you're trying to mess with some high hands blockers, but we can get into that in another episode. Okay. So 
Offensively, we needed to dictate. And if you guys go and you watch uh, our match versus Phil Dahauser and Avery Jost, it is Logan's best match of the tournament where he's absolutely dictating. He is going knowing what he wants to do and executing on it. Okay. Uh, there was no weight from him during that match. And Hagen was absolutely the same way in that match. Okay. And then finally, uh, for Logan, it was just keep, and this is for everybody. Again, this advice works for everybody. It was just reminders for us to be at our best. Okay. Uh, passing, keep the ball in front of you. We teach at Better at Beach, we teach a lot of drop step or open step. That means when the serve is high and it's deep, you turn sideways and then you shuffle towards the back line. Okay. Sometimes if you only turn or you allow your platform to follow it, you end up passing the ball from behind you. We still want to fight to keep the ball in front of you. It's just if it happens really fast, then you might have to open up quickly and you might pass a couple of balls behind you. But the best position to pass is still with the ball from in front in the front half of your body, even if you're sideways. And uh, Logan's passing was absolutely on point for the entire tournament. Okay. Next advice was uh, for Hagen. And we talked about what we wanted to do with passing. Uh, he just got a little bit loose with some of his technique. And we said, okay, passing, have your early and long angles. When I say early and long angles, it means whenever you see where that ball is going, find the trajectory of the ball, put your angle out there, build your platform, and so that your angle is built very early when the ball is coming in. And then afterwards, hold on to that pass to make sure you are finishing technically and soundly and that ball has a good place to bounce. Don't let your hands go. Don't immediately release your hands. You should still be in a great angle holding on to your pass and holding on to your platform when the ball's maybe two or three feet at least off of your angle. And you'll see some AVP players, um, I'd say especially on the female side because they're great with technique, you'll see them holding until the ball's the pass is almost at its peak and they're still holding their angle. Okay, so we talked about that um, in terms of passing. And then we talked about defense, keeping your hands away from you. Slow yourself down on defense and keep your hands away from you. And then your dig quality is going to go way up. If your hands stay inside or close to your body, then your platform, your angle has to shoot out or you're bringing your arms forward to match energy that's coming at you hard. That creates overpasses, overdigs. So the more you guys defensively can keep your hands away from you, the better you're going to be hands away from you. That's going to let you absorb more balls and keep everything on our side. Okay. Uh, we also talked about dictating on offense with him and uh, fast and aggressive swings. Aggressive doesn't mean hard. Aggressive can mean just knowing what you want to do and doing it quickly. So when we say we have to be aggressive, just means don't look for indicators of what you should do, know what you should do, and then look for the indicator of how you can change offensively. Okay. Um, this is advice for two players that I think just goes a long way. And my recommendation is that you, because I wish somebody would have shared this type of advice and gone through it with me while I was playing, 
this is one that you can save. This is one that you can share with your partners. This is one where any of these little technical pieces, if you've seen it in a partner, one of your players, if you're a coach um, or a friend, just say, hey, man, this this podcast is chock full of value. Okay. We talked about offense. We talked about reading on block, holding as a defender, and we talked a little bit about uh, some defensive cues that you can use to keep the ball on your side. If you guys find yourself over digging or over passing, it's very simple. Get your hands way out in front of you. One of the cues that I use for myself to start preventing this was I actually started pointing at the ball before the player hit it so that I knew my hands were far away from my body. And when they brought that heat, I was actually able to move my platform backwards in order to absorb the energy. And I ended up keeping the ball on my side more and uh, saw similar things happening with Hagen and his dig, his defensive game. This tournament was absolutely fantastic. And the coolest part is those two haven't even peaked yet. Uh, There were still things that we can do better, more consistently. I do, if they're listening or if they ever hear this, I want to thank them for letting me in the box and just letting me share some thoughts and ideas. I suggested things. They thought it was okay. And uh, I thought we worked really well together as a team. And Logan and Hagen specifically did really good doing some team things and staying focused and staying with each other for the whole tournament. And you can see that if you go to some of those old matches and you look at how they exchange the ball uh, in between points, it meant that they were there together so that they could focus on each other and their energy instead of whatever else they might be thinking about in that moment. And just playing catch with the ball between points was a big thing. And I love that Hagen brought in uh, some extra chest bumping for Logan. Uh, That was fun to watch. All right. Uh, that's it. I've had a few teams ask me to coach in Chicago, but I, I could use a little bit of a break this summer and I really want to focus on McKenzie. So there is a small chance that my family might go to Chicago to coach, uh, AVP Chicago, but probably not, um, have my fun for this pro event. And as a coach, as an AVP coach, I've got a, a seventh and a third now, <laughs> which is better than I've ever done as a player. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. If you guys have any coaching questions or you want to dive really deep with us, again, you know what it's like to be coached by our staff. Uh, if you don't know what it's like to sign up, betterbeach.com forward slash coaching. And if you want to come to a seven-day camp, we've got them in the fall and winter. Just head to betterbeach.com forward slash camps. And like I said, please save this episode and please share it with somebody who you think needs it. And if there's nobody you want to share it with, because you want to keep all of this knowledge to yourself, then just give us a rating and that'll be awesome. All right. Uh, That's it from me, Mark Burrick, better at beach. We'll see you on the sand.